0: Hey yo, what's going on fam? Thank you for locking in again. This is Clarity with CK Podcast. On today's episode, I want to touch on something that applies to pretty much every one of us. And I think it's obviously relationships and love. And today I have on a relationship coach, an author, documentary maker, speaker, podcast host. I mean, this guy does it all. He's the actual host of the Relationship Guy Podcast. John Kenny is here with us today and coaches his clients to understand the things that they carry within them that stops them from creating the best relationships they can have and today we're going to get into all of that and we're going to talk about his approach and one of the things that actually stuck out to me is the fact that he focuses on the impact of subconscious mind uh, when it comes to what we attract and others and we're, what we're attracted to i'm sure it's going to be a super exciting episode for all y'all so thank you john for coming on the show man i truly appreciate it Hi, oh, DK. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. A great introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's all true. So let me just get to the basics of all this. How did you become the relationship guy? I mean, what made you want to help people build strong, healthy relationships? In a nutshell, it's because my life has always been full of really
1: shitty ones, I guess. My own choices in relationships are very questionable. So when I was able to work that out for myself, it made such a huge difference to my own life that it seemed very natural for me then to focus on that area to help other people. Relationships are key to living a fulfilling and happy life depending on the health of those relationships so it's a fundamental issue. It affects Not only the relationships you have, it affects your levels of depression, anxiety, you know, lots of other kind of different things that, you know, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, eating disorders. There's so many things that can stem from difficult relationships that it is an imperative thing, I think, for us to look at for our mental health
0: and emotional well-being. Absolutely. And yeah, you touched on so many things right there because it's one of those connections that we don't necessarily make. When it comes to relationships, when we talk about the anxiety, alcohol addiction, and all other sorts of addictions, to be honest, when they happen, we don't necessarily go back and think, oh, that may be because I'm not having the best relationships with the people I love or the people in my life in general. And that may be affecting and feeding my addictions, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Like you said, we look
1: at other factors, we might look at what's other things that are going on in our lives, but. our relationships are generally like a constant day-to-day thing it's something we do have a tendency to overlook especially maybe difficult relationships we've had in the past so we're not necessarily aware of all the rubbish that we're carrying from the the relationships we've, we've experienced from childhood throughout our lives and the impact not only that has on other then the subsequent relationships we then attract in and are attracted to in life, but actually then how we relate to
0: ourselves. How do you realize what you're talking about? Like, how does the average person meditate on that and realize that maybe I'm behaving this way because of some past experiences, traumas? To be honest with you, I mean, just
1: look in the mirror and just okay, they're, they're, think about the relationships she's had and think about how healthy they were. Sometimes it's really difficult with your parents because when I work with a lot of my clients, they feel very like they're disrespecting their parents to think that the issues that they're carrying could come from those relationships. Um, But when I look at these things, it's not about blaming people, it's about understanding where we are because of those experiences that we've had. So to be able to say, okay, what are the likely outcomes for me based on those experiences? How do I see those experiences and how are they impacting on me? When I work with my clients, the first couple of sessions or so is getting that background together so we can go, okay, this is what I've experienced, what am I doing now? How do I feel now? What are my thoughts and meanings and perceptions and all of this now because of my past. And once we can start to understand that and put that all into place, then we can think about how we're going to shift that so it's a much more healthy thing for us and then make different life choices relationship choices moving
0: forward how important are those past relationships in building healthy amorous relationships in your opinion they can be
1: the be all and end all they can be completely responsible for the choices that you make in building a romantic sort of partnership as you get older because we learn to do relationships in a certain way uh, as children you know our ideas our relationship beliefs our attachment styles, how we see ourselves within relationships, like what do we deserve, what I can have. Those types of things will all be formed early, and then they're generally reinforced as we get older based on the the choices that we make. Some people, it's completely the opposite. Some people have really terrible kind of childhood upbringings are really unhealthy relationships and then sometime in the early in their life they go You know I'm not going to continue this I'm going to make sure I make healthy choices Mm, Most of us carry this subconscious learning as we go through life and that will dictate then the kind of people then we attract towards us as we get older and then ultimately dictate the kind of quality romantic amorous type relationships that we experience
0: Maybe it's, it's early in conversation, but the question that comes to mind after hearing what you just said is what do you recommend for people, for couples, who are reaching a certain tipping point because mm-hmm. of, you know, everything that went down in the relationship and even if they realize that it may have come from, you know, their background or their past experiences you know, when you reach a tipping point, it's extremely hard to think positively and so what do you usually recommend for, for those type of clients or for people who are struggling overall with this type of issue?
1: If you're in a couple and this type of thing is happening, that is two choices. You can either go to some sub-coaching together, which can be really useful. If the coach is able to work with you both to help you to move forward from those things. Generally when working with couples, it's like, let's understand the past, but we really need to think about moving forwards. Now I need to try and put things in place which help us to leave that kind of stuff behind us generally if it's been over a time period there's going to be a fair few unresolved issues which could then stop people from letting go and moving forward right Uh, and that again will be the same if it's whether i'm working with individuals or couples i I mostly work with individuals because i look more around about the relationship you've got with yourself and how that impacts Mm -hmm. other relationships that you have but when i do work with couples it's okay this is what you're carrying from your past. This is what you're bringing into this relationship right now. And how are we going to kind of resolve those things so that you can then be together in this relationship, supporting, encouraging, loving, caring, giving uh, with each other to make sure that these issues don't come between the two of you. I would also recommend somewhere along the line that they would, depending on how difficult those issues are to overcome, that they might want to seek some individual coaching as well with someone that can specifically help them to work through the issues that they've got. Maybe even counseling might be useful for them to say, okay, this is the stuff that's actually bothering me that has nothing really to do with my relationship, but it manifests in my relationship right now. So to run perhaps alongside, depending on how deep those issues run, is to have some kind of individual input as well as having a couple's input, because what's we've got on top of our own stuff it's much easier then to then focus on the relationship because we're not going to be triggered so much we're not going to have too many uncomfortable feelings emotions thoughts and stuff around the relationship we're in because we're not going to relate back to our past and go well that's like
0: then so this is a problem there i'm personally super guilty of what you just said to be honest like in my current relationship and the only probably healthy relationship I've had. Whenever like shit hits the fan, my mind, I don't know, subconsciously or even consciously because I'm aware of it, goes into that mode that you just talked about. And it compares the current situation to past bad situations or like similar situations and it immediately becomes defensive in a sense, you know what I mean? It's a survival technique. You sort of become pessimistic in a sense because you know the outcome of that past situation and so you start thinking this may be the outcome for this one too. So, How do you avoid having that kind of train of thought and work on that in a better, healthier way? Yeah. So as you said, sometimes you're
1: completely aware of you're going into that space but because you said it's like a survival mechanism your brain is so intent on keeping you in that protected environment within your own head that it's really difficult for you then not to react to it Um, so it's about in that moment it's not survival relationships aren't going to kill you unless someone is actually going to kill you Um, so it's not about survival anymore but when you were a kid when you learn all this stuff it was about survival because for the first seven or eight years of your life your brain is Massively in survival mode, so everything you learn about relationships during that time is about emotional protection, emotional survival. Hmm. So the first thing we need to go is okay, this is not going to determine wherever I live on. So do I need to react in this way in order to protect myself? More than likely, I don't. Right. So what do I want to do instead? Do I want to be in a relationship with somebody where I can? put this to bed now and and be more open and deal with this in a different way or do i want to keep repeating the patterns that i've existed in all of this time which then like you said i'm projecting forward into the outcome exactly this relationship could give me a completely different outcome if i allow it so it's about giving yourself a little bit of permission then to say thank you very much brain for trying to protect me but i don't need you to do that on this occasion i'm going to deal with this in a different way And then I need to, again, maybe formulate a way that if I'm triggered, then I go, okay, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this so that we've given ourselves an option that when we are triggered, we can go, okay, I don't want to do that. This is my new choice. And we've already maybe got something in place that's going to say, we've got something prepared in a way to say, this is how I want to be from now on in relationships. This is the kind of thing I'm going to do instead. So at least we can move away from the difficult experiences from the past and how we've reacted to them, and choose to respond in a completely different way
0: so basically moving past
1: your past traumas right if they've stuck with you long enough then they were probably quite traumatic for you as a kid if not they were very upsetting and caused you enough pain for you to for your brain to warrant putting a protective mechanism in place so it caused you enough discomfort as
0: a child for you to say for your brain to say i need to protect you from this moving forwards it's so interesting that you keep bringing this, bringing this back to childhood. So I have to ask you, do you think it's possible to accumulate those types of behaviors in your adulthood? Or does it always come from somewhere in your childhood, some traumatic event in your childhood?
1: Yeah, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be trauma in childhood. It could just be maybe a repetitive pattern. Yeah. Um, okay. Say your, your dad was always at work. Uh-huh. Uh, and then when he came home from work he wanted to cuddle and he was always too tired you could see that rejection as child that's again it's about your perception of mm. your own environment so you could think your dad doesn't love you so then later on in life you could then have difficulties when people don't show you much attention you could feel rejected so that could be triggered something and that's not really a traumatic
0: experience. how do you fix that for example and let's use that example
1: yeah, so what I would suggest then is actually you look back and say, okay, you're not being rejected by your dad. hmm But your dad was just busy. Um, mm-hmm. Your dad wasn't able to offer you the conditions you needed to feel safe and secure and loved and cared about. Right. Does that mean now that you're in a relationship with somebody where you need to feel the same just because they may not return your message when you want them to, or maybe they don't tell you that they love you enough, or maybe they don't do enough to get we would have got to slip into love languages here. Maybe they don't do enough for us to feel like they care. Do I need to feel
0: rejected or abandoned? Probably not. It could be the case that they are neglecting, but can can you control that? Can you control that feeling of not feeling neglected or rejected? Yeah. Once you recognize what it is that sets you off and recognizing those
1: emotions that you're getting, because your brain will relate a circumstance to your past and it'll go, okay, like you said earlier on, I recognize this, this is how it's gonna turn out. I need to do something now in order to respond or react to that. So then we go, okay, do I want to continue to react to that in the same way? Or do I want to do this differently? The more we start to create a new way of doing things, we start to negate the issues from the past and see things with a completely new perspective. So that when we feel like we're being triggered, we can go, okay, what is actually really happening right now? We kind of bring ourselves into the present. Is this something I really need to be worried about? is this a red flag you know is this something that is really sort of detrimental to me and, and not healthy for me and moving forward in the relationship if it is i probably need to move on and walk away from this relationship or is this something that i'm making up in my own head based on my own perception of what's going on and then obviously the odd communication is to address that with the person that you're in the relationship with If it's something significant to you, you can you, it's always okay for you to say i don't like that or I do like this and I want you to do that and I'd like you to do this without being obviously too needy. If it's something you can resolve in yourself, I would say resolve it within you first. If it's something you need help with, then it's okay for you to reach out to the person you're in that relationship with and say, I need help with this. If they're not prepared to help you, then they're probably not the right kind of person for you to be with in the first place because they're not prepared to say, I can help you be okay. Um, someone's saying to you, I cannot, I'm i not prepared to help you to feel okay, then why would you want to be in a relationship with a renter? Anyway? Right, right. Uh, And they're not the right person They might want an really easy relationship with no problems and no hassles, and, and they don't really want to give too much relationship because of their own stuff. Um, right. And mm. you know, so it's just for you to be mindful that, is this my stuff? Can I do something with it? If I can't, can I speak to the person that I'm with and can they help me with it? And then you can start to move forward from the things that that would cause you to distress in the first place
0: but how do you calibrate between being needy and asking for what you think is right everybody's a bit needy we all have needs you know right right
1: of course there is no there's no problem with with having needs it's about not relying on somebody else necessarily to meet those all of the time clearly in a relationship it needs to be harmonious there needs to be some balance. There needs to be some give and take. There needs to be something that works for both people. All of us are going to be somewhat needy more than, t- you know, if I'm tired, stressed, right, something terrible has happened in my life, for instance, you know, you could have like, lost a loved one or something. You're going to be needy. You're going to be vulnerable. And hopefully the person that you're in a relationship with is going to step into that space and go, I've got you now. You, know, you need me. Yeah. And it's okay for me to give more of myself to you in the, at this moment. I've right. got a client at the moment and they're thinking about separating from their partner because when they have been through really difficult times, their partner has then turned to drink because they can't, yeah. my so let's not say can't, they won't put themselves in a space to be with this person that really needs them. So they, they basically are saying, I can't, I'm not going to do this. I won't do this with you because it's too difficult for me. I'm going to detach myself and move away from you and drown my sorrows, because I don't know how to deal with your problems. So this person feels very isolated, very alone, very abandoned, very rejected, which again is something that they felt as a child, because their parents weren't very loving, caring, supportive. They bought them a lot of stuff, but they weren't in love with them. And no matter how many times they keep saying to their partner, "I need you to help me here because I'm really struggling," their partner says, I'm, "I'm, I don't know how to do that." So they need to be separated. They need to move away from that and find somebody that's going to be more about what they need moving forwards. So you know it's difficult if you're in a relationship where someone won't step into that space with you and help you. And so we need to be able to choose people more in it with a healthier space for ourselves that go. When I'm really struggling, I need someone that's going to help me because I'm going to have needs.
0: And that's the whole point of, you know, building a healthy, supportive relationship. It that happens too, too often. Yeah.
1: And again, there's no harmony, there's no balance there. And if we're both really needy, then we're always going to have problems because... Yeah we're always going to be needy and the other person's not going to be able to fulfill those needs so again that's looking at ourselves why am i so needy why can't i cope with this myself what is the difficulty that i'm experiencing which means i need i need someone else to step in and help me and what does that mean to me for instance another client i've got is only ever got attention when they were sick when they were a child so when they are in need of affection and attention now they'll get ill Mm. because that's the only Uh. part they know how to be vulnerable that's the only time they know how to reach out it's the only time they let someone in but it's the only time, so the only time their partner actually steps up and helps them so they're repeating the, their childhood relationship in that way with their now adult partner so that's something that we're working on now That clearly the person that they're with needs to step up at other times and right. they're trying to work on that now with them to say okay i'm not going to be sick but actually i still need you to help me a b and c times but It's for them to step out of their kind of comforts, like their normality of only seeking help by then getting sick and not feigning sickness, but actually getting ill. So they're bringing on this illness themselves in order to get attention.
0: Crazy, Hmm. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how the brain works and how if you you believe something so deeply, then it manifests physically as well. Yeah, completely. And that's that's the real key with a lot of this stuff, which if you're feeling
1: it physically, uh, we can get, like you said, what are we manifesting in ourselves physically because of how I'm feeling emotionally and the difficulties perhaps are am going through. Yeah, so we can, we can create this kind of low space for ourselves just because we need someone to step in and help us. It would be much healthier if we could just say, can you be there for me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but the thing is like, and you see, I go back to my previous question about calibrating all this. It's like, mm. when do you know it's too much? Because I, I still struggle with this, if I'm totally honest. I still struggle with the fact that it's not easy for me to, to go out of my way and ask someone for anything, let alone ask for you know support or mm. attention. I'm the kind of person who just go like, it's all right, I'll do it myself. I'm used to doing it myself. You know what I mean? But in a relationship, obviously, it doesn't work like that. It's a partnership for anything else. So yeah. you need that support. But it's still very hard for me to just be like, I need support right now. So what's your advice for people? In yeah. oh, I, would,
1: I would suggest them that somewhere in the past, mm-hmm. being vulnerable to you was too painful. So I like to use it in a lounge and you're not going to be able to see this because obviously I'm going to do this physically. But if I put my arms up enough to be held as a child right. and nobody ever picks me up, eventually I'm going to stop putting my arms out. Mm. And I, I imagine that somewhere in your past, you put your arms out to be held by somebody that you expected to be there for you, to help you. And they didn't. So somewhere your brain has gone, it's not safe now So I need to reach out. I need to deal with this myself. So you become very independent, very self-reliant. And the thought of you reaching out to somebody becomes too uncomfortable, so you try and deal with everything by yourself, unless, like you say now, you get into such a low place, that's the only time you actually really let anybody in, because you know you can't do it by yourselves, but you're also manifesting this unacceptable place for you to be in, where you say, okay, now I'm this low, it's okay for someone to help me. So we need to make sure that we overcome that idea of vulnerability and maybe the rejection or abandonment that we've had in the past, which then leads to us not being comfortable asking for help or being vulnerable now as an
0: adult. And so the key is to communicate healthily around that need to yourself first and then and to the other person. The problem is, is what we would also have a tendency to do,
1: is if you're used to looking after yourself, you'll choose relationships which then mean you have to look after yourself because you mm. firstly may not even let the other person in to help you even if they could mm. but generally your energy is going to be attracting people that can't give it to you or won't give it to you anyway mm. so when you do reach out you're, you put your arms up in the air say please help me and they go no don't do that and you'll go see this is just like every other relationship i'm better off looking after myself you give no. you put that protective layer back in your brains and see you're right you need to look after yourself nobody can ever be there for you And you prove your kind of ideas, beliefs over and over again to yourself to keep you in that protected, safe space, not vulnerable space. So again, that's why the work on yourself is so important. And then the work on the relationship around you is generally secondary to that. Once you recognize what you're doing, you can then invite someone else in to try and help you with that space Hmm. and see if they can. Because if you've attracted someone who says, no, no, no. I, I can't do that. I won't do that. That's not within my capability. I don't know how to do your feelings. Then it's okay. Well, you know what? This is a choice I've constantly made throughout my life. that causes me a problem. This relationship clearly isn't going to work for me. Now that I know I do this, I now want to change that and move on and find someone else. It's going to be different for me moving forward and have a healthier relationship in
0: the future. And that's a decision that's never easy to make, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of reasons why we stay in relationships that are not good for us. Because again, it keeps us in our familiar space. It's just too difficult to break away from that cycle. Clearly, if we've got feelings for that person at that point, we could have ideas that are, you know I might never find the right person and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to stop us from walking away. No matter how maybe unhappy we might be, because we've again we've developed these relationship ideas, beliefs that this is our relationship to all always be. So what's the point of leaving anyway? And there's loads and stuff that we can look at and work on in order to figure out why our other stuff is and how we're going to let that go move forward.
0: And sometimes it's misplaced optimism. You believe that person can either change or they will help you as you evolve.
1: But also if you're carrying stuff from your past, you're likely to have chosen somebody that fits into that mold anyway. So when you do all the changing within yourself and you're looking for something else from them, they've chosen to be with you because you were that person in the past. Whether they want to change or not, you can't control or dictate that. You hope that they're going to want to come with you on this journey of self-development and relationship development. But like you said, there's an optimism there that they will, but they might not be the case because you're taking them out of their comfort zone. You know, by changing, if you're changing and want them to come into a different space with you, you're trying to get them to come out of their protective or comfort zone. Uh, so therefore that you might be, going, no, you know what, they're not going to come with me. And then you need to make a decision. If they're not going to come with me, do I stick with it and just be okay in this new dynamic? Or do I then think the best thing for me is to actually find someone who now fits into what I want from a relationship and what I want for myself moving forward? Or do I hang on in there and just never be as fulfilled and as happy as I could
0: be? What are some of the most common beliefs people in these you know, bad relationships have? What are the things that you always stumble upon that you always see come back?
1: Yeah, I think there's um, the beliefs about what you deserve. So can I actually have what I want in a relationship? is this is are there is there anybody that actually can give me what i want anyway because again we believe that relationships are a certain way so we keep reliving those beliefs in order to make them true all of the time
0: we think the grass is always greener elsewhere as well that's an an avoidant personality type okay yeah that's 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 the kind of person who doesn't like to work on things is that what you mean it's,
1: yeah, so generally one of the void of personality is someone when it gets to a certain point point, their brain says, this isn't working, I need to go and find something that does, or I need to be on my own or whatever it is. The people that generally have a tendency to jump from relationship to relationship are looking for something unrealistic most of the time. So in their head, they're saying, now this relationship has got to a certain point. I don't really know how to deal with this. There must be something better out there or there must be something different out there. Or I can start again because I really want to be in a relationship with somebody, but I don't really know how to be in a relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. So this relationship has got to an uncomfortable point now have connection. let me go and find someone else I can start off brand new with. When that gets to a certain level of connection, I'll now start off with someone brand new that I can start off, you know, brand new with. And then again, when yeah. we keep avoiding uh, the difficulties that could come up. Again, we don't know how to deal with them. Again, they could fit into our stereotype. Oh, you see, look, this is a problem now. This is a problem i've always had this never works out Let me go and meet someone else and again like you said we have this idea that that next relationship is going to be the right one but if we haven't done the work on ourselves we're going to keep jumping generally from the same type of relationship to the next
0: super interesting how does that compare to what you just said prior to this which is you said when you start realizing some things about yourself about your deeper self and you start working on them and you start realizing that you know, because of childhood traumas or whatever, childhood events, I'm the way I am. And that now I'm ready to move on from that and become a healthier person and have like healthy reactions to situations. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between that and a person who's actually just moving from relationship to another, looking for something new?
1: Uh, It's, It's gonna be something similar. There's gonna be an issue there. If you keep looking for something, there's something not right within yourself. A relationship should complement you, not complete you. So if you're looking for a relationship to complete you, there's something missing within you that you're looking to be filled. So if I'm always jumping from one relationship to the next. I would suggest there's a hole within me that I need to work on first to fit up so that when I meet the next person, they can complement me rather than complete me. Again, could be self-sabotaging, a style of attachment called a dismissive avoidant. They're the kind of people that just don't know how to do connected relationships at all. So they're the kind of friends with benefits or they do a lot of surface relationship stuff. So they do a lot of dating, but never get really serious because they really don't know how to connect with people at all. But there's lots of different reasons why we might be doing this. We Mm. just need to figure out what our triggers are and what it means to us. So to kind of change that type of thing, it's about saying, what do I want in a relationship moving forward? And what do I want to give to a relationship moving forward? So that we can start to shift away from the old defensive patterns. Right that keep us stuck and repeating those things over and over again into putting our mind into focusing on a different space where I want to be with somebody that's like this. I want to give this much of myself, and that's a safe thing for me to do to convince our mind and our brain that we don't need these protective mechanisms anymore anyway.
0: Okay. My next question is super relatable because I've met a lot of people throughout my life who have this fear, which is the fear of abandonment where do you reckon that comes from and how do you usually recommend your clients deal with it
1: almost almost certainly that's a childhood issue okay um so again we need to look and again as a child you could have been abandoned Mm -hmm. that would have been super super painful if you were abandoned it could be your perception i mean like you know sometimes i work with clients and their parents have died and they're massively angry they feel rejected but they feel abandoned because their parents died So that's, again, that's quite a deep issue for us to be able to work through is to change our perception of what's happened. And again, as an adult, it's are you going to allow yourself to feel abandoned? So you're labeling the fear as abandonment. That's a perfectly okay fear for you to have because of what you went through as a child, but is it necessary now as an adult? Mm. If you've gone through lots of different relationships where, say, you've been ghosted a lot by people, Mm. you're going to feel, possibly, abandoned but again that's a subconscious routine that we might be creating for ourselves and are very likely to be creating for ourselves based on our fear of abandonment so we keep creating relationships where we're going to be abandoned that we need to be mindful of that but it's all about the words we label things with and the meaning we give to the words so as a child that would have been massively difficult for you and yes it was okay that you were distraught and probably your life had been turned upside down and it would have been awful for you to go through that but as an adult so I call myself a relationship empowerment coach. So it's about empowering yourself within yourself and within your relationships. If you say, I've got a fear of being abandoned, you're giving all of the power over to your fear. So you don't really have any control. <laughs> uh, so it's about shifting that fear away from a place of, I'm worried about I'm fearful of abandonment to if someone decides they don't wanna be with me, I'll be okay. As a kid, you weren't okay. As an adult, you're gonna be okay. But it might feel difficult for a short period of time. But if we can shift away from the meaning that we give to abandonment, then we can shift how we then are in relationships when it comes to if this doesn't work out, if this person dopes me, if this person then decides they don't want to be with me. And it's not such a powerful fear. Mm, it's not? No. Because okay. you're changing what it means to you. So as you keep going through life saying abandonment means this, based on what happened to me as a child, you're always going to be massively fearful of it because as a child, it probably was too much for you to handle. Yeah. And nobody put their arms around you and said, TK, this is going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to be fine. You're going to see in a little while, this is painful now, but you're going to be okay. Again, that kind of idea that is it real or not too, like I said earlier about my client, know father came home from work and never really spent any time with him they felt abandoned by their dad. But their dad wasn't abandoning it. Their dad just had to work two or three jobs, I think it was, to keep the roof over their head. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my dad was not abandoning me. My dad was actually really putting in 110% to make sure I could survive. Mm. Make sure that we could put food on the table, that we had a roof over our head. So you can
0: shift how you perceive those experiences at the same time. But do you just shift that by saying that to yourself and believe in it, or are there any other practical tips that you can use to shift that? Yeah,
1: it is about, again, perception and meaning is, is almost everything. We all grow up, so my, me and my brother's two years apart from me and my brother, we're completely different people because we've had a completely different perception of the same similar childhood. We both okay. went through very similar experiences, although my brother was two years older. He's perceived it in a completely different way to me, so he's very cagey, self-protective, doesn't talk to anybody, keeps everything to himself. Whereas I was like, please love me, please love me, let me tell you all my problems. So I went completely differently. So I went, I want to help everybody. My brother went, you can stay away from me Because if I get too involved, that's too painful. Whereas I would dive in because I was expecting something different each time, but choosing relationships where it was always the same, that no matter how much I gave, I would never get much in return we brother very law, I never got much, so I'm not going to give anything. That was his way of protecting himself. Mine was a different way of managing this situation. So we need to just say, okay, what am I doing this for? What's my thoughts around this? What meaning? What's my perception? If I wasn't particularly loved or cared about, perhaps even neglected or abused as a child, how do I now interpret that information? Uh, what meaning do I give to that? So I give that the same meaning as I did then, then I'm really going to struggle as an adult because I'm going to be really serious in the relationships and relationships are going to cause me no end of grief. So if we can change the way that we look at those situations and bring them into a reality, what is my reality now? How do I now want to see this relationship thing moving forward? Mm-hmm. We can change the fear, we can change the things that we do, the choices that we make and the beliefs that we hold and let go of those things from the past which stop us from experiencing something much better.
0: So what about when your demons come back up? What do you do in those situations?
1: (laughs) Again, I think it's that kind of word, empowerment. They're Uh, they're demons, but they're not necessarily real. They could be very real, but how am I going to respond to them? You know, so when I feel triggered, it's about understanding when my body's telling me there's something I'm not right, because this will always manifest in a bodily reaction. Right. Am I shutting down? Am Am I becoming anxious? Um, am I feeling a bit depressed or I'm like, very low? Do I want to run? Yes. Am I freezing? You know, do I get angry? Do I want to fight? You know, what's going on in my body that that's that's that is maybe at this right this moment right now unnecessary? Mm-hmm. And how do I want to deal with this instead? It's always about giving ourselves a choice of the way that we respond to certain things rather than that instant reaction. So it's becoming familiar with your triggers. And eventually when you figured out a way of dealing with it differently, your brain sort of says, Oh, I don't need to do this anymore.
0: Oh, so you, you rewire your brain. Yeah, uh, in a better better
1: neurons and everything. But yeah, you know, okay. consistency is a key to change. So you need to look at this and start doing something on a regular basis. You can then, this is why this, uh, this is called it like, I call it an empowerment coaching because I'm empowering myself to make a different choice. So when I feel a certain way, am I going to go with it? Or am I going to go, oh no, I've got a choice here. Right,
0: right, right. So it's like repetitive behaviors can be either destructive or they can build better habits and then your brain will even eventually forget that you used to react differently to certain situations.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, hopefully, most of the time, yeah, it forgets. But again, when it does come up, you've got, you can either go with it or you can choose not to go with it. Now, when things happen and you're not on top of it, you, if something will happen, you'll get triggered and you'll, run, you'll let it run away with you because that's what you've always done. So you're always going to react in the same way because you're not, you're not allowing yourself to go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You're just doing what you've always done. So it's about just creating a different space within your head where you go. This isn't working for me anymore. And also, I like to thank my brain. This has really been helpful for me. Oh. I say, thank you very much for trying to protect me. Okay. But I'm not in danger here. Whereas, okay. like I said, when I was younger, when I was a kid, teenager some, in my 20s and I was in my first sort of abusive relationship. I was a victim there. I was allowed myself to be a victim as an adult. Mm. As a child, I was the victim because I was powerless. You know, I can't really stand up to my parents and tell them what to do when I'm five or six, even younger <laughs> years of age. They've got yeah. the control. Mm. But as an adult, I can say, okay, I, I'm not going to give you this power over me anymore. And we can choose to be different in those spaces. And it took me a long time. And then I realized when I realized it was my brain just saying, I'm trying to protect you here. Let's do this again. Mm. And I was saying, I don't need you to protect me anymore. Thank you very much for trying. It's a really good job you've done in the past. Um, but it's a completely unnecessary space for you to put me into now i'm going to do this instead and eventually your brain will go really are you sure And i'm yeah, yeah. protecting you and you go no i don't need you to do that i'm okay i'm safe thank you and then your brain eventually goes oh you don't i don't need to do this anymore and you can create a different way of responding to things
0: fascinating man it's that's really some really good advice uh, do you have any other advice that you could share with the listeners similar to that one because that's definitely something I'm going to apply in my whole life because like you said, there are some behaviors that we drag along with us and yeah. they become heavy at some point in life and we don't even realize that they are a product of some past events. Letting go is also one of the things that I find most powerful in this realm.
1: So the book has is like a coaching program book. So the first half of the book is a little bit about my life story and how I learned to develop my understanding of myself as a person. And how i learned to see other people and how i learned to do relationships and the second half the book asks you the same questions that i asked myself to figure that out for you
0: and then put things into place. such as what type of questions do you
1: ask like give me like Uh, a couple yeah understanding how your experiences have affected your self-belief so what kind of messages did you receive internally as a child that then you're still carrying as an adult so my inner core belief was i was never going to amount to anything okay that then led to a lot of other limiting beliefs around what i was allowed to experience in my life what i deserved what was possible so uncovering that core belief was then able to shift a lot of my own limiting beliefs and then i then instilled new belief systems which undermined all of that stuff so that now when I think about something I mean no I can have that that's possible I just need to maybe apply myself in a different way to make sure I can I can have that and that kind of thing you go you go through in the book to help you to understand where your beliefs are. So there's a whole chapter on beliefs and helping you to understand what ones you might be carrying for yourself and then how you can then put new ones in place so there's lots of different things in the book about that and uh, the podcast i talk about lots of different things I have guests on and I also have my own relationship rambling. So I pick a topic and I talk about it and how it can affect us and what we can do about things moving forward. One of the things when I've done my talks in the past is what seems to really resonate with people is that nothing is personal. We are taught as we grow up, generally, that we are responsible for other people's emotions. You make me feel this, you make me do that. Which we're not. But that's a way of controlling us, to get us to stop doing things. And if we still carry that message in when we get older, we become very responsible for everybody else's feelings and all the situations around us, and then that becomes completely out of our control. Again, the empowerment thing is completely disempowering, because I'm not responsible for how you feel. You are. I might do something you don't like, but your emotional response to that is, is you, not me. It takes a lot of maturity and... Yeah, and and taking responsibility as well. Yes. And getting rid of responsibility. Because some people will say that as an excuse for my behavior. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to say to you, TK, I don't like it when you do that, so please don't do it. Right. And I'm not going to say, TK, when you do that, you make me angry. Mm. When you do that, I make myself angry because I don't like what you're doing. It's my reaction. Yeah. So I could say to you, look, I don't like it when you do that. I get upset. You know, that triggers a really painful space for me. So please don't do that. If you say, John, I don't give a monkeys about that. I'm going to do it anyway. Then, you know, I know where I stand with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I can decide whether I actually want how much interaction I want to have to deal as far as our relationship is concerned. But not taking things personally, I think is very important. I don't do things for other people, for the benefit of other people. I do it for the benefit of myself. So if I'm gonna be a nice guy, it's because it serves my purpose to be a nice guy. If I'm not gonna be a nice guy, it serves my purpose. It meets the need in me. So it's got nothing to do with me. Although I might aim my behavior in your direction, so you could be on the receiving end of something lovely from me, or you could be something quite awful. That's most of the time, it's got nothing to do with what you're doing. It'll be to do with how I'm feeling, what's going on for me. It could be something that you've done that I don't like, but if I can step out of that, nothing is, that per- this is not a personal attack on me, it gives me a much broader scope to say, okay, what's going on for that person that's causing them to behave in this way, rather than me internalizing it as being my fault and my problem and my responsibility, because I'm gonna react in a completely different way if I see or it's like, I need to, like I'm need i taking it personally, or if I'm able to take a step back and look at you instead. If it is something I'm doing, that's fine. We can have a conversation about that. And I'll say, you know, hands up, that was me. And my bad and I'm not going to do that again because I know that you don't like it if it's something I'm willing to change but if I you do something that I then take personally that all becomes about me and my responsibility and I'm lost in my own feelings I'm making things up in my head that might not exist I could feel abandoned again again that's a personal feeling I've got it could be just the fact that you can't make a date or something you know but if you're being if you keep blowing me out again that's something I need to deal with myself you're blowing me out for a reason. It's your reason, not mine. Hmm. You know, if you don't want to be with me or you've got more important things to do or you can't see him as a priority, that's not personal to me. That's just the way that you want to live your life. Hmm. And I can take a step back and go, okay, is that the right person for me to be with? How much time do I want to spend with this person? Where do I place this relationship as far as what's good for me or not is concerned? And then I'm I'm completely out of that triggering space that I would have gone into otherwise. Uh, And I can deal with this thing in a much healthier way.
0: This takes being with a a healthy individual to a whole different level, my friend. You know, you can be with someone who's relatively healthy, someone who just reacts well to situations, for example, that's healthy. It's not within everyone's capabilities. Like, there are a lot of people who react, like you say, they're angry or they shut themselves out. They get away from the problem and they, they just jump from one relationship to another. But the fact, that you say that you need to find someone who basically is ready to put in all this understanding into what's going on right here, it takes it to a whole different level. But again, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are in tune with all of these feelings and their own personal feelings. And from what, what I gather, in your opinion, it's good to be selfish when it comes to what we do, as in... I want to be a good guy because it's good for me. It's not because it's good for other people. So I just want to be selfishly, always do the right thing for me and try to do it the best we can, but uh, it has to come from a place of me first.
1: Yeah, and I think I, I label it as positive selfishness and negative selfishness. selfishness, selfishness. Yeah, I know that there are certain things I'm going to do which someone else is not going to like. I'm taking your feelings into consideration, but I still, that m- may not be enough for me to stop the thing I need to do for myself. If I just do things without giving a care for anybody else and I'm just going to do it anyway, that I can't class as negative selfishness hmm. because we don't care the outcomes for other people. We don't care how we affect other people. We're just very selfish and self-centered. Whereas I know that there are certain decisions I'm going to need to make for myself that other people are not necessarily going to like. I'm going to do it anyway because it's the best thing for me to do.
0: That's super deep, man. Uh, It's a lot of food for thought. Thank you for answering all of my questions. This felt really eye-opening and it made me question my own behaviours and I hope, you know, the listeners as well. Make sure you keep enough fruit for yourself at the same time. That you're not always giving from your garden. Because when you run out of fruit,
1: what do you do then? So you just didn't mean to make sure you've got enough you're feeding yourself as much as you're feeding everybody else. And secondly, a whole probably a whole new topic that we could discuss for another hour or so would be expectations. Expectations are one of the key killers in relationships.
0: That's something I was thinking about. The whole weekend I was hiking, so I was on my own. I had a lot of time for meditation. And so I was meditating on that. Like I know that having high expectations kind of sets you up for failure in a sense. You know what I mean? And so I spend quite some time thinking about how do I either lower my expectations, or at least deal with them in a better way.
1: It's a very self-sabotaging behaviour
0: having expectation. Can one like get rid of, of expectations altogether?
1: Yeah, because again, it's it's coming back into reality. What's real? What is real here? Like, you know, are there things that are just beyond my control? Are there things that I just need to stop expecting because they're not going to happen? Again, if you're relying on somebody else to meet expectations, you are, like you said, you're setting yourself up for failure because everybody's an individual and they're gonna do things their own way. And that might not necessarily live up to what you believe is the right thing for them to be doing. You know, the shoulds and the have-tos are awful. It never feels good to should, which is what I said in my documentary. We need to let go of shoulds if we can at all costs. Um, because they are expectations that are generally things that are not going to come to fruition. So it's important that we manage those expectations because otherwise, again, we're constantly letting ourselves down or constantly feeling let down when they're not met.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but how do you do that? Like practically speaking, how do you just tell yourself, well, I do not expect the person to meet this expectation?
1: Again, it depends what we want. I would say that they're wants rather than, again, shoulds and have tos. So I want, is this something I want from somebody? Again, if it's significantly important enough to us, it's okay to say, this is what I want. Okay. Where do these shoulds come from? Where do these expectations come from? Is this something that's been placed on me by someone else? Or is this an expectation I'm placing on myself in order for me to feel, again, safe, comfortable? Can I deal with this? In my, a lot of my stuff, I talk about a thing called a window of comfort. And Most people, unfortunately, have a very narrow window of comfort, so it doesn't take much to take them out of their comfort zone. And then they'll exhibit behaviours to try and drag everything back into their comfort zone, and that's where expectations come in. So if I, if I expect things when those expectations don't come, I then try and do everything I can to bring myself back into a, a space where I feel comfortable. So if I have a really wide window of comfort, there's not many things that are going to bother me enough for me to react to that I'm going to have to drag back into where I'm fully comfortable. That means most people could do most things and I'll be all right, well, I get that, I understand that, it's okay, I'll deal with it in a reasonable way that's good for me, that doesn't create too much of a hardship within myself. But if I've got a narrow window of comfort, I'll get a bit desperate and needy and i try and control the situation, again, that's, that's, that revolves a lot around expectations. Because my mindset is this should be this way, all right, and why should it be that way? Because I say it should be. Well. I've got the rest of the world to consider, <laughs> oh, yeah. and if I don't consider what's possible and what's probable as well as what's possible, then I'm going to complete, um, constantly make problems for myself. So I need to manage those expectations. So is this realistic, or is this just something you know? Even when we're doing it for ourselves you know, like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, things like that. It's because there's expectations there that we're not managing very well and could more than likely are gonna be unrealistic. And then that's a very self-sabotaging space because I'm always gonna cause myself disappointment. So there's a lot of things there that are really, really, again, looking in the mirror and going, okay, what's all this about for me? Why is that there? And what do I want it to
0: be instead? Super deep, man, and super fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I'm definitely down to have you on again to talk about this and to touch on such topics that apply to so many people around me. You know, it's not like one of those things where it's a niche. So I think everything that you taught me and you've shared on this episode will also be uh, highly inspirational and informational for many people. So thank you so much, man.
1: you're very welcome. I love to share this stuff because it can make, like I said, right at the beginning, it can make such a difference to your life just by implementing two or three different changes. So yeah, I love to talk about this stuff and, and hopefully, like I said, your listeners will be able to implement some things immediately, which will help them. Everything more or less is accessible via my website. So I'll okay. go www.johnkenniecoaching.com and there's links to my book, my documentary. There's a blog page, there's a podcast page, there's, there's loads of stuff on there. So, yeah. And if you want to reach out, just, um, uh, get in contact. I do offer a 30 minute complimentary chat for people if they want to talk things through and think about how coaching could help them moving forward. So we can try and get a strategy in place in 30 minutes to see whether coaching could be useful. If not, hopefully a couple of nuggets to take away from the 30 minutes that you can implement straight away if coaching isn't the right thing.
0: That's so awesome, man. Well, thank you for your service. And well, there you have it, folks. It's been a great episode again with John Kenny. Uh, You can find him, as he said, on johnkennycoaching.com. And well, till next time, this has been Clarity with CK Podcast. Peace.